Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back for more of High Noon with Nate Lucas and Bob Ramsey. All right, welcome back. 132 here on a Thursday edition. High noon, 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. Cole Bartimus, Joe Davis, I'm Nate Lucas. Uh, I told you yesterday we had Mike Benton on. We were previewing the uh, AHL championship, the Calder Cup yesterday. Hockey's still going on while it's over. The Hershey Bears win a thriller over Coachella Valley, the Firebirds, uh, Game 7 in overtime. I was rooting for Coachella Valley. That's the coolest story. They're a brand-new franchise in the AHL, and they sold out that stadium, but a tough home defeat against the Hershey Bears. I think that's the 12th Calder Cup in uh, the history of the Hershey AHL franchise, so pretty storied hockey environment up there. But it looks like they're building a new one out in the desert. Anyhow, Matt Larkin is with the Hockey News, and uh, the NHL draft just a week away in Nashville, and we're starting to see some movement with different uh, teams in the free agency and some decisions for a lot of teams, and the St. Louis Blues included. Matt, uh, glad to talk some puck with you. How are you? I'm good, and I just got to do one quick correction. Hockey News, former employer, now daily face-off. So I got to plug my new guys right now, but it's a pleasure to be on, and I'm pumped to talk some puck. I am so sorry. Of course, daily face-off. I'm you know, sometimes you get all these notes, and uh, I'm I'm discombobulated at times. So that is my bad. Daily face-off. You guys do a great job. And, of course, uh, all of the videos that you put up on social media, too. I constantly find myself, I'll be scrolling, and then something will come up on the daily face-off, and I'm, like, pausing and watching for – and then 15 minutes later, I'm still uh, I'm still on the, on the video. So you guys are very compelling. So I apologize for that. Uh, thank you for correcting me. Oh, no problem, no problem. I'm just putting it out there in case my, you know, my employers are listening. They say, hey, let's get Daily Faceoff's name out there. No problem at all, though. It's all good. So uh, let's just go 30,000 feet for a second about this. the St. Louis Blues. They missed the playoffs. Uh, they make some huge moves at the deadline. They, they break up the majority of the guys left from the Stanley Cup run, the big guys. I mean, your captain, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ivan Barbashev, who proved to be a great pickup for the eventual champion, Golden. Knights, um, and, and the Blues are in kind of a peculiar spot. They have three first-round picks in the upcoming draft, but do they need to, to, to make some moves here? The problem is they're up against the cap, so I don't know how much Doug Armstrong can really do on the open market. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting summer, and I'm sure you guys have probably made this comparison before, but it's reminiscent of the summer 2018, right, when this team had missed the playoffs, and what did they do? They reload, they take the pick, they get a first-round pick in that Paul Stasny trade, and they make the storied trade for Ryan O'Reilly. So we know there is a precedent for Doug Armstrong retooling, reloading, if you will. And I do wonder if he's going to try and find a way. I agree that 
with the cap, it's going to be a problem. You're going to have to try and get a team. I don't think someone's going to take, for example, Colton Pareko's contract. The term is the killer, not the actual dollar figure. But maybe someone like Marco Scandella would be an example of if you're making a move in the summer as part of it, maybe you include one or two of those first-round picks and you get a piece you really need, but the other team has to take, for example, a contract like Marco Scandella's. That said, I do think they are an exciting team to watch in the next week. We actually have a piece coming up on the weekend on Daily Faceoff in which we talk about which teams are the most interesting for the draft. And I name the Blues because of those three first-round picks. I suspect they'll keep the 10th overall pick, but those other two, I think they're going to be in play, and I could see the Blues going for another marquee forward, maybe someone like a Travis Konechny, maybe an Alex Dabrinkit, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Debrinkat's name continues to come up uh, as a name that, that would possibly suit. And then there are a couple of names that have ties to St. Louis that are repeatedly brought up too, and that would be Trent Frederick, who's a restricted free agent in Boston, and Clayton Keller, who just based on his own you know social media posts is not thrilled with the situation ongoing and, and the uncertainty really in Arizona. That's right. And the Clayton Keller element is really interesting because, like you said, the local connection. He also now, you know, when he first signed that contract with Arizona, it was perceived as a dollar figure that was kind of projecting out. But now he's arguably a bargain at his current AAV. And if that's someone you could have as part of your core in the long term, I think it's pretty exciting. And he's never had the type of support that he would have as a St. Louis Blue. So who knows what his ceiling could actually be. That, to me, is a really interesting name to watch. And Trent Frederick's kind of a fun one, too, because he's who can get under other teams' skin. He hasn't really had a chance to completely spread his wings to the Boston Bruin, but he's the type of player that you see being impactful in playoff-type environments down the road because he does have that ability to agitate. So to me, he's kind of an exciting buy-low for somebody right now. Doug Armstrong has been pretty open, I think transparent about the fact that the intent is to use their, their at least use their 10th pick in the first uh, round of the draft. Uh, but as those picks that they acquired, you know, that are that fall a little bit later in, in the draft, those could certainly be used as uh, trade bait to try to bring in some uh, players like the names that we've been discussing. But I also understand that this draft in particular, you feel – do you get the same sense that it's pretty pretty deep? It is, especially uh, – I think it's funny. I'm going to go even more hyperbolic and say it's going to be legendary. Oh, wow. Top three to five picks, right? I think it's the best draft since 2015. We have a generational talent in Connor Bedard. You have Matt Bamichkov, whose ceiling is also perennial all-star scoring champion. You have Adam Fantilli, who I think would be the number pick in several other drafts I've said today – on another show that I think Fantilli himself, not even Bedard, setting aside Bedard, Fantilli would be number one in the last three NHL drafts. That's how good he is. Leo Carlson, Will Smith, the list goes on and on. So, yes, I think there's some real marquee talent. I think maybe there's a little drop-off once you get past the first six or seven picks. But I'd say, at the very least, you've got five franchise-caliber players in the top five. Um, also, you know, the Blues, they, they have a couple of players right now in their system that are largely projected to, to be significant contributors in the near future. I mean, uh, Zach Dean, uh, you got uh, Bull Duke, and then also the pick from last year, Jimmy Snuggerud, who uh, have really put together strong campaigns. And, and Bull Duke, um, they're calling him Big Game Bull Duke. He, he won uh, a nice championship with the Quebec team under Patrick Waugh uh, just a couple of weeks ago. 
And, you know, those are guys that I think could present some value, too, if Doug Armstrong wanted to uh, work them into a trade. Do you agree? I think so. And it's it's interesting because, you know, you want to still have some help coming from within the pipeline. You don't want to clean it out. And I think based on where the team is right now, like the two picks that they haven't made yet, I would rather be moving those because they're theoretical. Whereas we already know Jimmy Snuggerud, he was playing in what was arguably the best line in college hockey this year. I think he's knocking on the door. And same goes for Bolduc. So, And then you have Jake Neighbors as well, right? So maybe you can sacrifice one of those guys. But there's also an excitement when you think of the next generation of players coming in and you still have, of course, Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrie, who are just starting their deal. And I think Doug Armstrong made a really hard buy low on So maybe he ends up re-signing, and that's another piece who's still in his prime. So maybe you're building something at forward if you keep some of those prospects. I'm wondering, based on where the first of the Blues' first rounder is going to be, do you actually go for a defenseman? Because you have a good number of forwards in your pipeline. Maybe you pick a defenseman with the 10th overall pick. Hmm. and then you trade the other two first, and and with those, you can go for whatever you want. I think in this case, maybe it would be a forward. Let me ask you, we're chatting with uh, Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com, all sorts of terrific NHL content, dailyfaceoff.com. Um, I, I think the salary cap is, is a bit of an issue for some teams. And, you know, like, for example, the Knights, who just won, they utilized this strategy. The Avalanche did it the year before, where – they're able to put guys on long-term IR and essentially wash away their the the uh, the uh, money uh, for that year on their on their cap hit, and then they can add to it without it, and so they're able to go over the cap number. And I believe the number for the Vegas Golden Knights was ninety-six plus million dollars. That was the highest of any team, and so teams are sort of using that loophole to to really bolster their depth. Uh, at the trade deadline, and we're seeing those teams kind of prevail in Stanley Cup runs. Why do you think that the NHL A hasn't, you know, drastically gotten the cap up to a number that would allow for some of these teams that have had success and had to give contracts to players based on that success? It seems like the gas is sort of throttled on on teams like the Blues that are within a five year winning period. Yeah, I think you're right. And it just seems like if you give GMs a chance to circumvent the cap, they will always do it over and over. The Blackhawks, they parachuted Patrick Kane into the 2015 playoffs. Broken collarbone, he returns for game one. They win the cup. Of course, Tampa Bay did it a couple years back on the Nikita Kucherov. We've seen, we saw Colorado do it last year. And of course, Mark Stone with Vegas. And in terms of the way the NHL is handling it, I know it's becoming a, a topic of complaint around the league. Um, I don't know whether it's a case of, hey, we can't, if the teams have the medical report showing these guys were actually hurt, what can we do? Or if it's sort of an, a handshake agreement where, you know, they understand that the cap has been so low coming out of the pandemic, they're trying to give teams breaks for the sake of just keeping competitive. I don't know whether it's that. Uh, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens Going forward, the cap's only going to go up by another million dollars this year. So I think we're going to see teams continuing to commit the same sin again and again, just because they can, because there doesn't seem to be any penalty for doing it. And I don't think the cap is going to be going up more than a million. We'll get it confirmed in the next few days. The players have not quite finished paying off their escrow debt from the pandemic. It should be done this cycle, and then next year we should finally see big, chunky gains in the salary cap. How much pressure do you think there is on Doug Armstrong right now with the Blues, just from, you know, externally, like, your your view of that? Well, 
I think obviously when you win a Stanley Cup, it buys you years of runway. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a lot of trust in what Army's done Mm -hmm. for the St. Louis Blues. He's kept this team competitive so many years. He's had several different iterations of competitive Blues teams. So I think he's got runway. That said, coming off this playoff miss, I think there's maybe more pressure than there has been in several years. Uh, And I I think he had... arguably a weak off season and I actually going into this coming season I predicted the Blues were going to be the bust of the year and miss the playoffs because they were actually a terrible defensive team the year before and their defensive deficiencies were masked by Billy Huso they removed Billy Huso from the equation and they did pretty much nothing to replace or, or to add to reinforce that decor right they brought back Nick Letty who actually was pretty bad in the playoffs that year and I think it wasn't a big surprise that the team flopped. So, long story, what I'm saying is, I think you hope it's a, it's a month, but I don't think Armstrong had a great offseason last year. So, maybe there's a little more pressure to deliver and get the team back on course this time around. Yeah, and not to mention, I think you're accurate on on the point in which the perception of Armstrong, is like there's still tremendous trust that he's going to be able to get this thing turned around. Um, I guess, really for him, though, and I would say one more so than the other are the two contracts that kick in this season uh, between Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. I mean, you know, Army is pretty great with the media, and when Cairo was struggling last season, he even made the point where it was like, yeah, he looks more like a, a two and a half guy right now than an eight and a half. So, like, that's pretty uh, that's pretty blunt for a player that you just gave a pretty ex- huge extension to. And, and and Cairo's got to play better. Yeah, 37 goals, you, you love the offensive output, but at some point he's going to have to play a little bit better defensive hockey or at least some sort of defense because his plus-minus was atrocious a year ago. Yeah, at the very least, you know, if Cairo's never going to be – I mean, if we're honest, he's never going to win a Selkie trophy, whereas Robert right. Thomas, I mean, you never know. There's the potential there, right? But, uh, you know, Cairo, he's, he brings speed to the table. He brings scoring. But if you can't teach him to play defense, at least you got to find a way to insulate him with line mates who do. So maybe it's a matter of just adding better support around him, whatever can sort of like that spark and help him get his consistency back. On the whole, I'm not too worried about him. He's only 25. And his offensive output was still there. He's still a really good player, brings so much speed to the table. And I think the cap hit that he signed for, which I think is 8.125, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same as Thomas. I think that's a pretty reasonable number for the production you're going to get out of Kyru. I think he's going to be at his peak in the next couple of years, probably a 35-40 goal, 80-point player. I think he can stay at that level. And I think that's pretty reasonable production at that price. It's not like you're a team like, for example, where I'm out here in Toronto, the Maple Leafs, where your top players are earning $10, $11 million. You can actually work a lot when you have your top stars in the $8 million range. So uh, I think I'm relatively optimistic about Kyrie and, and Robert Thomas having good seasons. Uh, league-wide, your colleague Mike McKenna on DailyFaceoff.com has a new piece up on in terms of picking you know destinations for some of the top goalies that will be on the move. And this, there, we could see a lot of movement with goalies, particularly a few that were most recently in, in not only the Stanley Cup and Aiden Hill, but uh, maybe Frederick Anderson, formerly with the, with the Hurricanes. So we could see some big names on the move, Connor Hellebuck as well. That's right. And it's weird, you know, this season, I think more than any other showed us how fickle goaltending is. You have 
two goalies in the Stanley Cup final, Aiden, Aiden Hill and Sergei Bobrovsky, neither of them was even starting for his team when the playoffs began. That's how random this position has become. And, of course, you guys know, St. Louis Blues, you guys won a Stanley Cup with Jordan Bennington, who was on loan, not even to his own AHL team that season, if I'm not mistaken. That's yeah, my memory. With right. Boston, so, of all teams, by the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's right. So it just seems to be every year there's someone that emerges. And I think, in a way, you could argue it's devalued the position. And I, if you're a team that's looking... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For goalie, maybe you don't want to make the big trade for Connor Hellebuck when you can find an Aiden Hill every single season, it seems. And Hill, I think, is going to get paid. And it's not an elite class of goaltenders available in free agency this year, but there are a lot of guys with good experience who can play sort of the platoon role. Uh, some interesting by lows, guys like Tristan Jerry, Frederick Anderson, who have proven themselves number one, but number one goaltenders, but have a bit of trouble staying healthy. But overall, I think that if you look at that class of UFAs, so I said Jerry Anderson, Antti Ranta, Eunice Corpusalo, the list goes on, Cam Talbot, Martin Jones, you can probably bet that one of those guys will be talking about a year from now as someone who had a magical run. It's just the way the position goes every year. Uh, last two for you, Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. Connor Bedard, uh, you know, he's going number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. But how, how fast do you think that a Bedard can change the tune for a Blackhawks team in a franchise that's been pretty underwhelming here the last several seasons? Well, I do expect him to be a pretty dominant player immediately, just like, you know, generational talent Sidney Crosby was. Connor McDavid was, of course, he had an injury his first season, but he looked plenty good before that injury. So I do think Bernard is going to be an all-star caliber player right away. I'm talking 40 goals as a rookie, maybe 90 points. That said, if you look at what Crosby had around him, Ovechkin in Washington, and you know, going back to Mario and Pittsburgh, all these generational talents, when you get a team that's so bad that it can get that pick, it's often a team that is tanked and has nothing around it. So the supporting cast at the moment for Bedard is really barren. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see the Blackhawks instantly become a contender. I, I still think they're probably a couple years away. But it will be interesting to see what they do this offseason and what route they go in terms of trying to surround Bedard with veteran talent. Can they attract players who might actually sign multi-year deals because they want to play with Bedard? Or... Are they going to look for sort of the mercenary type deals, guys who want to play one season, puff up their stats playing with Bedard, get traded to a contender, and then cash in next summer? It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, and Andy Strickland, who is St. Louis based, of course, he, he's been reporting that uh, the NHL and the wheels are in motion, to use his words, in regards to Joel Quinville and Stan Bowman who have been out of the league ever since uh, the report surfaced out of the Blackhawks organization and some of the, the disgusting trends that were happening under their sort of watch. Uh, but do you feel like we're getting closer to a conclusion on maybe their return to the National Hockey League? 
I think we're getting closer, from my understanding, and I, I expect that we'll get some more clarity next week. Typically, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly will address reporters before the draft, so I'm expecting us to get some kind of update there. Uh, in terms of just my personal read on it, I think it's more likely we see Quenville returning to the NHL than Stan Bowman, just based on the perception that Bowman obviously was running the entire operation, whereas Quenville was sort of op- dealing with the players immersed in the playoff run. And, it, you know, it's... It's risky to sort of break it down to degrees of responsibility, but I'm just saying this is my read based on conversations I've had. It seems like there's a stronger groundswell for getting Joel Quenville back into the coach's seat than there is for Stan Bowman. I don't necessarily agree that it's a smart move, and I think a lot of NHL teams are very conscious of their decisions, of their image, and... I think there are plenty of teams that don't want to touch that situation. If we do see someone like Quenville, for example, come back, I would predict it'll be in more of an obscure hockey market where there's just less attention around the hire. Yeah. Uh, I told you last thing. Real quick, though, Hockey Hall of Fame announced the the new inductees yesterday and several with Blues ties. And uh, Pierre Turgeon, when I was growing up, was one of my favorite players at Donna Blue Note. And I've been asking for years, you know, when he was going to get in. I thought his numbers were certainly – uh, Hall of Fame worthy and finally getting the call yesterday. And then Ken Hitchcock, uh, who I think deserves, you know, some guys around here don't think too highly of Ken Hitchcock. I'm talking about ex-players, but um, you can't deny his knowledge of the game. And he was certainly a catalyst to building a winning environment in this town, which ultimately led to a, a Stanley Cup. And I, I think uh, – Hitch is certainly well-deserving, but what were your thoughts on some of the guys that got inducted yesterday? Or, you know, got yeah, the call? It was an interesting, yeah, for sure. Interesting class. I agree with Hitch being a slam dunk and 849 wins, I believe, fourth most wins all time. And an innovative coach. His teams were just always so good defensively. And he sort of prided himself on trying to learn from young people and, and connect with his players and try to find ways to get them to buy in. And he always was so good at that. Uh, and in terms of the class itself, you had a mixture, right? You had the slam dunks, which were Henrik Lundqvist and Carolyn Ouellette. It was just only a matter of time for those two. I really liked the Tom Barrasso pick. I think he was overlooked for a long time. Pheasant a trophy, called the trophy, multiple Stanley Cups, 20th in wins. To me, the picks that were interesting that I was a bit surprised by just based on how long they've waited were Mike Fern and Pierre Turgeon. And Pierre Turgeon had a great career, obviously great offensive numbers of the Islanders. I think he was a great two-way player in St. Louis as well on some really good teams in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. That said, you know, his point total, he did play in the live puck era. He played 19 years in the NHL, was only a top-10 scorer twice. So I'm still a bit surprised to see him pick before Alexander McGillney, for example. And Mike Vernon, someone who was only a second-team All-Star once in his entire career, Never sniffed a Vezina trophy, did win a consummate, but when there's someone out there like, for example, Tim Thomas, he won a consummate, the Stanley Cup, and he had two Vezina trophies. So I was surprised to see Vernon get in and Turgeon. Not that I didn't necessarily think they were Hall of Famers, but just there were a couple other names on the snubbed list I, I thought would have gotten the call first. Another of them being another guy who had a great run with St. Louis, Mr. Keith Kachuk. Mm. Hmm. Wow. You, could you think Walt. Uh... I, I haven't really looked at the numbers that in-depthly, but Walt, uh, you certainly think, could qualify, huh? 
Yeah, he. I think he's one of three players ever that have 500 goals, and I think it's 2,000 or more penalty minutes. So it's Brandon Shanahan, wow. Pat Verbeek, and Keith Kachuk. If you're listening, anyone, you can double-check that stat and see if I got it right. But to me, he was you know, one of the most dominant power forwards of his era. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I, you wouldn't get an argument from me, putting Big Walt. <laughs> when it's all said and done, maybe the three Kachuks could go in together. <laughs> That'd be something. That's right. <laughs> All right. Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. Anything you'd like to promote before we let you go? Really appreciate your time. Oh, absolutely, and, and thanks for, for the opportunity. Uh, in terms of what to promote, well, we got the NHL draft next week, and we have a tab on our page, the Draft Hub, and we have, I think we must have 80 stories up right now, most of them by our prospect analyst, Stephen Ellis, who's an absolute savant. So if you want to know literally anything about this draft, we have it on our site right now. So kick back and enjoy. We have our final top 150 rankings up right now, and we'll be at the draft covering everything that happens. Great stuff, man. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. Wanted to play two uh, additional little pieces of audio here. Last Friday, Andy Strickland did uh, more than 30 minutes with Dan Marr on Hockey Sense, which airs on uh, 590 The Fan from 3 to 4 p.m. If you missed the entire interview, I think it's worth uh, going back and listening to. But um, Dan Marr, they talked uh, in this short clip about uh, Connor Bedard and the impact of him joining the Blackhawks. Is there any way somebody could be wrong with Connor Bedard? Like, is he a slam dunk of all slam dunks, or do you, do you just you pop the brakes and say you just never know? Well, Andy, as you said, I've been around a long time, and I, I think he's one of the best players I've ever scouted. And we've got a history with him for three years. What really pops out for me is that at every level, he's been the youngest player on the team at every tournament, whether it's U18, U20, World Juniors. He's been the youngest player on the team. And for him to impact and contribute as well as he had and consistently as he had, it was was amazing to watch. And, you know, he matched, he was very similar to Connor McDavid in points per game, but it's difficult to compare Ontario League to Western League and the division you're in, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, again, it's that consistency in which he contributed. And on the ice, off the ice, he handles himself the correct way. He's humble, he has a strong work ethic, he's committed and disciplined to being a team first player. And that shows he makes other players around him better. Uh, he's as real a deal as I have seen. Boy, it's, yeah, sounds it's, like something the Blues need. Is Cole crying over there? A little there? bit. Rigged. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, rigged. <laughs> I, I was going to throw a Man. tissue across the way here. I just can see Cole's uh, <laughs> frustration levels That's mounting. Crazy. As a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, missing out on the Bedard sweepstakes because, of course, it's rigged. They want the big market team to get the big time player. Mm-hmm. You that think the you think the NHL world cares about the Columbus Blue Jackets? No, it, who have the dumbest uniforms in sports? Oh, they're no. awful. Mm-hmm. They really are. They need to change those. Up. They're, they're awful. eyesores. They're really bad. They're really bad. they really aren't. No, but they really are. They're the, awful. The Ducks got screwed over too, but. They don't care about that because that was right in the middle of no the NBA playoffs. Now the only so team that matters now in, in California is uh, the Coachella Valley 
Firebirds. Yeah. I, I told you guys. I said I looked up Los Angeles Sports Talk Radio because I wanted to see if they were talking about conspiracy with the NHL lottery. And so I was going to try to find some sound for cover, too, just you know, so I can get all worked up about it. They spent all three hours talking about the Lakers in yeah, the playoffs. You think they're going to talk about the L.A. Kings or the Anaheim Ducks? No. Well, Here's your story. Well, well, Joe, don't you know Snoop Dogg is a big L.A. Kings fan, so the hockey is cool out there. Well, he did just try to buy a team, and they were like, no. He lost that bid, right? Yeah. They just announced to the— Ottawa? Yeah. yeah. Ottawa, yeah. Uh, Was Russell Peters in that bid that won? I love Russell Peters, my favorite comedian. I don't think so. Dang it, he was in the Snoop Dogg one, wasn't he? Yeah, I, think I don't think they lost out. But Stan Kroenke is investing in a new arena project in San Diego. 16,000-seat arena, thousands of new housing units, a hotel, retail space, ability to house an NBA or an NHL team could open as soon as 2025. But I'm sure he'll tell uh-huh. you that uh, he has no plans to actually move a franchise to Inglewood. Contrary to what yeah. you all say, the San Diego Chargers I have put a lot of jack no, in the market. You said sixteen thousand. San Diego Bro, Braves. Are you missing the Arizona Coyotes? Oh, there you go. New hub. There you go. San Diego. San Diego actually. But has Stan a, already has an NHL team. He does. Mm, the well, Avalanche. The Avalanche. Yeah. Just because he owns the facility doesn't mean he's going to own the franchise. Because. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Technically, does he own the Denver Nuggets, or is that just the and group the, that he's a part of that owns the Denver Nuggets? The Cronky. I think group? he had to sell his. It's like I don't his know. son, yeah, because I don't think he's allowed to have another. Josh franchise. owns it exactly. Technically, <laughs> yeah, Josh. Yeah, I wonder if Josh answers questions in Lisa Salter's ear too. <laughs> what if he had like Josh in one ear and Stan's mustache in the other, like uh, be real creepy, rubbing in on your left ear. How did Lisa Salters not just politely say, hey, like, microphone, microphone, like, stick it in his face. Make it clear that he's not just talking to you, that the whole purpose of this is for him to talk to everybody else. Well, somebody probably in the truck should have told her, we can't really hear hear him put the mic closer. How old is Stan Kroenke? Enos. Let's look this up. I'm actually on his Wikipedia page right now. I gotta say, seventy-five. Oh wow! You know I put too many years on him. He looks old to be that rich. I think he. I think he looks pretty good shape. Look, I think the only people left that are bashing Stan Kroenke are the sore losers here in St. Louis that are mad that he left. Oh, absolutely. He He, is now a glorified owner in the world of sports. I just need him to get Arsenal together. That's the only thing he's lacking right now. You and Matt Whitener. Speaking of owners, has anybody heard from Bill DeWitt uh, Jr.? Has anybody seen Bill DeWitt Jr.? I thought he lived in Cincinnati. I gave him a call I yesterday. know he lives in Cincinnati, but he usually he's at a few ball games a year. Yeah. Wait, did you say you gave him a call? Yeah. To see if he can come on Frank's show? Yeah. Got did he pick up? No. No response. Dude, I'm being honest. Yeah. Seriously, no one's been able to, no one's heard from him. <laughs> Where's the guy at? <laughs> no idea. Your team is 13 games under 500. Your son just got embarrassed on a radio interview like BD3's and Michaels. A month ago. Yeah, he's getting arts and crafts at <laughs> during Michaels. Cardinals mm-hmm. games. During the game in which you're the team is losing a 5-3 lead against the Giants. Wait, was that? No, that was not the Giants. That was, the Giants. Uh, that was a weekend game. They were getting absolutely torched. In St. Louis? Yep. It was the Saturday uh, before, not before Father's Day. It was the, yes. Two weeks ago? Yes, thank you. I w- I'm walking in. A L- lady friend of mine had to pick up a uh, uh, 
little um, was getting something framed for her father, Jim Caps, who listens to this program frequently. Hello, oh, Jim. Hi. He usually puts us on his uh, dock at Lake of the Ozarks on Alexa. Oh, yeah. there that's go. nice. Uh, but he, she was getting him a picture frame for something, and I turn around and there is Billy Dewitt the third cruising through Michaels all solo. I'm like, what? Wow! World? Like that is that's not the a... last place I would expect it. To see. Well, he's a painter though. Oh, really? Billy's a painter. I did not know that. Oh, so he was getting his art supply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Nate went up and approached him and talked to him. <laughs> no, I said, you know what? I told him. I said, literally, I, I threw him off. I was like. Hey, I gotta, I gotta give you some credit. You hung in there on that Kevin Slayton interview, and his eyes were like, "Oh, you heard that?" <laughs> I thought that went to like an online database. <laughs> oh, so he doesn't even realize how many people heard it. I had no idea. Oh, and then wow. what did Laura say? She's like, "Actually, Nate played." No. And then I was like, "Okay, we're leaving." All right, don't say that. Let's go. <laughs> She's like, "Nate played it on his radio show," and you're like, oh, "You don't need to give away that much information." No, we gotta go. Yeah, Billy. At, Speaking uh, of gotta go, do we have a guest coming up at two? Two thirty. Okay, who we got? Thirty minutes. So yeah. let's take a quick time out. We still got to work in Twitter Thursday. Let's do so Twitter, let's do that Twitter, when we return. Twitter Thursday. Mm-hmm. Then that, and then we'll end the show having fun with Chris Russo. Bad dog. Love it. That's Beautiful. how we do it, baby. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 